I'm Chris Turner, and this is Tapestry's Empower to Connect podcast. So Ryan and Kayla, thank you for being on the podcast once again. Thanks, Chris. Hello, Chris. I wanted to have you on to talk about a certain creature that inhabits many of our homes. <laughs> the wild and elusive teenager. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of us who are blessed, is that hashtag blessed? <laughs> <laughs> To have a teenager in our home brings its own unique set of issues and how we deal with them. And we had a post to the Tapestry Facebook page asking if we could talk a little bit more about dealing with teenagers. I don't want to. Thank you. That's good. That's Thank good. you. Thank you very much. That's a great Teenagers kind of scare me. I, I'd rather something else. Can we go to the next topic? I'm sorry I'm we cannot. At, I'm sitting with my arms folded <laughs> with a look of disapproval on my face. I was going to go with look of disdain, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Stop making fun of teenagers. I'll start. I'll, I will lead in stop making fun of teenagers. Um, we'll, we'll have our second teen in the family um, at the end of this year. I'm very sorry. You know, it's it, uh, it's interesting. It is it is interesting because um, you know there's a lot of stuff that just goes on hormonally with kids developing and the, that come to play there in the, in the teen years and um, you know and and a lot of things that we probably shouldn't get into here. But uh, it does compound some some of the, some mm, of the issues um, that we have with kids with trauma in their past. Um, and we need to, I think, probably be more vigilant than we are with some of the other kids, with the teens, um, because a lot of times it becomes an, an exercise in emotion for them a lot sooner than it. So, so since parents listen to this podcast and teenagers don't, what I'm learning with parenting teens now is that you have to, most days, use the same skill set that you would use with four-year-olds because it becomes a real emotional exercise pretty quickly for them. Mm. It seemed like a 10 that they, <laughs> that they weren't quite as emotional as they are at 14 and 15 again. Um, I'm not going anywhere with that. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to share that. Yeah. Well, I think, I think one of the things parents of teenagers struggle with, especially when we're talking about teenagers from hard places, is that being a teenager, you're already struggling with identity. And that the teenage years only compounds that struggle because when you're a kid from hard place, you've already got identity issues. And so let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Cause you know, I don't know if, if you guys remember being a teenager, but you are really trying to figure out how you fit into the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll just say this and, and then kind of, you know, shut up for a few minutes, but, um, Kayla and a couple of other ladies, um, in our ministry, had developed this 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 eight or nine week uh, course called Empower Teens that really addressed some of those issues because um, you know being a teenager, like you said, Chris, is hard enough. But when you um, sometimes some of our adopted teens and our foster teens do have a compromised sense of self mm -hmm. and a compromised sense of identity, 
which just compounds a lot of that and makes makes the teen years so much more difficult than they already are for a lot of folks. Yeah, I think um, I actually kind of like having teenagers because it's fun to to start seeing who they've become and mm. kind of talking to them about life things. You know, we homeschool and and so we've been talking about kind of what they want to do now that they're getting into middle school and high school, what they want to do with their life Mm. so that we can kind of tailor some of their schooling towards that and kind of, um, give them some, like a taste of maybe what they might want to do. And so I've enjoyed as we've gotten into the teen years, just some of the conversations that have come out of that. Some of the, the, um, just vulnerable conversations, but I don't think that was without a lot of hard work leading up to it. Mm So I think a lot of people um, adopt teenagers and they really struggle with how do I do some of these things with teenagers? How, you know, we've talked about, you know, TBRI, we've talked about connected parenting and, and how that looks. And a lot of people will say, well, yeah, I understand this works really well for like elementary age kids, mm-hmm. but when they get to middle school and high school, I mean, how does this work? And it, it works just the same. You just have to adapt it. Right. And that's what we've found is that it's just going to look different. A redo may look very different with a teenager than it does with a four-year-old. And you might not even call it a redo. Right. No. You might not. I mean, you might just go, whoa, hey, you want to try that again? You know, when, when my teenager says something snarky, you know, I can come down really hard and say, hey, you don't speak disrespectfully to me, you know, that's not okay. Mm. Or I can be kind of playful and go, Whoa, Hey, what was that? Do you want to try it again? And we can, we can use some of these same techniques that we've talked about in all the other podcasts with the same, with the, with the teenagers, Mm. right? So we can, we just adapt them for where they are. Does that make sense? Right. I think one of the other things that's important to notice is when you watch that TBR for teens video, um, Dr. Purvis is doing, like you said, all of the all of these things, right? Um, I think the video probably should is more accurately titled TBRI with teens, mm. because TBRI for teens kind of implies that it's it's a different set of principles, but it's not. But but you do approach it differently, like you know when you do the mag- magic mustache thing when you press your index finger on your upper lip and then up against the bottom of your nose to, as a as a self soothing exercise. Well, you call that magic mustache with the kids. Well, when she's talking to the teenagers, she said that she, they need to access their parasympathetic nervous system. <laughs> and so she uses um, bigger words. She she speaks to them like they're mature, more mature humans. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that, that goes a, a long way. And so as the kids move from, you know, from the, the toddler, young, you know, the elementary age to the middle school age folks, I think you just have to, the, the adaptation isn't necessarily that you're doing things differently, but the adaptation is the way that you present the interaction. Because, mm. you know, if I had to, if I had to, um, if I had to tell my 14-year-old son, hey, you want to try that again, buddy? A lot of the time that's just going to... Um, uh, no. <laughs> or, or an eye roll or something like that, right? And again, yeah. it's, it's like Kayla said on a previous episode that, you, you know, a lot of times all we, all we do when we know that the kid's going to access that, that survival place... And, and live, they're asked a direct question. Mm. And if you know that, and you still go ahead and ask them a direct question, all you've done is, you've, is you're cultivating a better liar because you're giving them practice. I think the same thing's true with the teenagers. If you're not mindful of your interactions with them, then all you're going to do is give them a lot of practice at rolling, at, at being disrespectful. Mm. 
and yeah. and then you're gonna have to own that you did that. I think and, it's yeah. I like what you said there about how she used the big big words, right? The parasympathetic. You know, I, I think teenagers really can respect like learning something new and and that you used a big word with them and like they can they're like oh wait you didn't just like dumb that down for me like mm-hmm. you you educated me about well, what's going that, on here i think they view it as a sign of respect yeah i mm-hmm. think so i mean our kids we have we have at developmentally appropriate ages kind of taught them a little bit about the brain and kind of how the brain works mm-hmm. and you know just a very basic understanding of what happens when they flip their lid, right? Mm-hmm. When they um, are in that fight, flight, or freeze, we've kind of told them what that looks like. And so they understand it when that happens and they can talk about it. And as they've gotten older, they understand it even more. And it's funny, our son, our oldest recently did something that wasn't very smart. Actually, um, I was just thinking about telling that story, <clears throat> Kayla. And um, he has allowed me to tell that story um, to other people. So um, you think we can tell the whole? Yeah. So uh, so um, so. Do you mind since since I'm actually the active participant <laughs> in the story? So um, our son uh, is really good friends with Chris's son, and so um, we're up at the church on Wednesday night, and, and we run our support groups on Wednesday nights, and so. I use the Royal We Kayla runs our support groups on Wednesday nights unless it's the support group for dads. And so I was in my office at the church just just you know responding to emails or whatever while she's running the group. And my son gets out of out of out of youth and he comes in my office and he's got a little bit of a look of terror on his face. And um he'll be fifteen later this year. And he's got a look of terror on his face and he says, Dad, I need you to promise me you won't freak out. <laughs> So and I said, silly Ryan freaks out. No, no, what I said was, son, if you've been paying attention and you think you need to tell me I shouldn't freak out, it's probably wise just to get to the point. <laughs> what happened? And he said, I need you to promise you won't freak out. Okay, I won't freak out. What happened? My phone's on the roof. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, look. Um, this is such a teenage th- boy thing to yes. say as well. Yes. yes, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm not going to freak out because... Because, you know, he's a pretty responsible 14-year-old for the most part. Like, like he saved his money and bought his own iPhone. Mm. I'm like, look, if your phone's broken, it hasn't cost me any money. And the only help I'm going to offer uh, to you to get a new phone is to probably buy one of those, like, flip phones, those go pay-as-you-go phones. Mm. And he kind of rolled his eyes. And so, anyhow, <laughs> I said, what happened? And he said, um, well, Davis isn't here tonight. It's Chris's son. And uh, he was on, I was on the phone with him, and so I was throwing my phone up in the air and catching it because he said he liked the way the wind sounded rest, racing over the microphone. <laughs> Turns out the truth of the matter is that there were three girls standing and giggling at this, okay? So he is now at the age where he will do anything to amuse girls, which is, which is really why teenagers are terrifying to me. Yes. Uh, so anyhow, he, mis, he, mis, he misjudges his throw, and um, his phone ends up on, on the roof. So that is recovered, uh, peacefully recovered. And I said, look, the only thing I'm upset about is that you're wasting my time now. And I have to stay at like mm. 9.30 tonight until the ladder arrives for you to get your phone off the, off the roof. So that's the story Kayla was referencing. And I think we'll, we'll pick it up with the point that you were trying to make. Yeah, there. so so we're, we're telling the story because he kind of feels silly about it. But he's like, yeah, you can tell people. It's fine. It's not a big deal. And uh, so we're telling somebody the story and... 
and he's standing there listening as we're telling the story and he goes, and I'm just so thankful that my parents like they study the brain and they understand that my brain's just not fully developed yet. (laughs) And I just thought that is so perfect. Like that he, he gets that and we've tried to teach him some things about the brain and stuff, but we've tried to speak to him respectfully in a way that, Hey, look, we're going to educate you about the brain and stuff. But Mm. I was so funny when he said that. Because the, the, the truth of the matter about, about the human brain is you don't have to do a great deal of study to understand some some simple functional right, and so all the, the cortexes and um, you know your upstairs brain, as they as they refer to it in the whole brain child, all of that stuff probably is only online by your mid twenties. Mm-hmm. So the problem with teenagers is you really because because I've said this I've said this before and before I knew better, and it was, dude, you need to make you need to make good decisions when he was younger. You know, you need to think that through. And as you come to learn that, that he literally does not have the ability because those parts of his brain are not func- are not are not fully developed and functioning. So we're starting to see some of that. And so, if you will remember, as a parent, when you have a teenager, that that their ability to make good decisions is somewhere between compromised and non-existent. Mm-hmm. And if you'll just remember that, and and let that little voice in your head tell you that every time you walk into an interaction, because if you do not yet have teenagers, or do not yet, or do not remember being one yourself, mm. there is an abundance of head scratching things that then people do. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, just like sometimes my mouth just hangs open <laughs> and flies fly into it as I stare. But like, what is going on over here? But you know. When I was that age, I probably, if I had a cell phone at some point, my father would have been on the receiving end of, Dad, I need you to promise me you won't freak out. My phone's on the roof. You just did other things, I'm sure, that you had to say, Dad, don't freak out. Uh, no, about. I never, ever told my father not to freak out. Most, <laughs> mostly because it wouldn't have helped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, we, uh, we did a, Ryan talked about the Empowered Teens group. Mm-hmm. I have to be honest, I really was scared. Like, oh, what are we doing? But we'd had so many families that said, my teen needs other adopted teens. Mm-hmm. My teen really needs to be around other adopted it's teens. It's part of that identity struggle. Yes, mm-hmm. they're, they're developing that identity and they really want just some connections with other adopted teens. And so we decided we um, got together. We have a three adoptive moms and one is a therapist one is an OT and then me. Um, and so we got together and we kind of, um, pieced together some, some pieces of TBRI, um, some sensory pieces and then some stress management and mindfulness type exercises, Mm -hmm. um, to help the kids. But what was really cool was just to see how, um, the things that you see on that TBRI for teens video, Mm -hmm. like those fun activities, the nurture groups, the band-aids, the feeding, all those things that you see, they really do like those things. That was not staged for those videos, Hmm. right? Like the kids really got into these things and really um, began to open up when we would, we would offer band-aids to each other. We would, we heard some real hurts come out um, as we were offering band-aids. They, um, at first kind of thought the feeding was really silly, but as the weeks went on, they really kind of got into that and thought that was, you know, they, they enjoyed it. And then my favorite was when we did the silly string and we, we were practicing 
asking permission. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gave them each a can of silly string and told them we went outside and I said, you can spray the silly string, but you have to ask permission before you spray it on somebody. And they sat, they, they really did ask permission every time they sprayed it. It was crazy. I thought I watched that in the video and I thought, there's no way, there's no way (laughs) I hand, I hand this 10 teenagers, a can of silly string and they're going to be like, crazy and it's going to be all out of control and I'm going to regret that I ever did this and I'm going to have a huge mess. Someone's going to have tears. Yes. I mean, I really just thought this is, this is, I I can't, I I know they said it works, but I'm just, I'm not really sure, but it really did. And the kids were really receptive to it. And I think um, all the feedback that we heard from the parents was really good. The the kids really enjoyed being together. Um, They really enjoyed some of these really playful activities that we were able to then teach them some really good skills with. Mm. Um, and so I think it was neat um, just seeing how well it actually did work. Cause I was probably the most skeptical and I'm the one that said, I think we should do this, <laughs> but I, I I'm sometimes. skeptical. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was skeptical of how it was going to work and if we were really um, could do these kinds of activities with teenagers and it worked. I mean, they, the kids really, they really enjoyed it. Um, some of them were skipping like soccer practice and other things that normally would have taken precedent over mm-hmm. some class their parents signed them up for. Well, you know, a couple of things. I think the thing that's scary about teenagers in that set setting, as opposed to five-year-olds is you have to work so much harder to establish credibility with them. Mm-hmm. Like a five-year-old, you'll get in there, you'll play a game, and then you know all of a sudden those walls are breaking down with the little kids. With the teenagers, it is not quite that simple. So I went a week one to the teen group. Um, I wasn't planning to be part of it. It was just going to be led by the ladies. And so um, the decision was made that I would come in and meet everybody and then just participate like in the ice-breaking exercise and then leave once I got down, down to business so that... I wouldn't be able to be there every week, so we decided there was no point in me coming in and out. It was mm-hmm. going to be like, you know, a closed group so that, the, that they could build those trust relationships. And um, I walked out about 45 minutes into it after we did introductions and the couple of ice-breaking exercises, and I'm like, um, I'm going to go to the chapel and light a candle and thank <laughs> the Lord that I my schedule doesn't allow me to be there every week. Cause I thought, oh, my gosh. That is going to be exhausting. And I remember the first week uh, when Kayla when Kayla came home, that um, it was like it was like that first year when she was a classroom teacher. Most nights she was just really really tired, and it probably for I would say as I'm sitting here thinking that most Thursday nights when you got home from that group, you were just physically exhausted because it was just really emotionally draining. And I, and I think that if we're gonna work with teenagers or if our kids are becoming teenagers we have to recognize that that being their parent or well let's just talk in the parenting context being their parent requires another level of emotional response because it can be exhausting because it's so unpredictable and, and, and you know I'm not I'm not a real rigid guy but chaos is stressful to me mm-hmm. you know okay ca- yeah. Kayla will attest to that as she did before I said she'll attest to it. Chaos is stressful to me and, and, and parenting a teen is chaotic because you cannot predict their, their response. 
one day this issue will be not a big deal and the next day it's dragged out for the 30 minutes deal, with right? tears yeah. and all kinds of stuff and and i find that you know one of my most common re- in my one of my most common reactions when interacting with our teenage son particularly is this look of i don't know what's going on right <laughs> now on my face <laughs> but having said all of that that doesn't matter you have to, you know, I think that we can do almost anything if we recognize it, if we're, if we're prepared for it. If, and, and that's part of it is that, yeah, we have to recognize that there's some tough things with teenagers. I mean, I don't know what the suicide rates among teenagers are, mm. but it's one of the high groups, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's such a difficult time, it's such a difficult time. And so when you add all the emotional changes and a lot of the crazy stuff that happens in middle school, um, and then you couple a couple of fact like you know we've spoken to some some families and they're like look you know I'm really struggling because there's nobody else in the house that looks like me mm-hmm. and that's that identity thing you were talking about earlier and so um, or everybody in the house looks like me but I have no connection to my birth family mm. you know sometimes um, you know I know for for our oldest when he started getting close to his you know when, for his twelfth birthday. Um, is when he started asking questions about his birth family, and he hadn't really asked much of that before. So they're they're very curious in those years about the world around them, and there's a whole other l- layer to their stories that they ha- that they get to be curious about that kids born to you don't ha- don't have. And so I just think you have to be really kind of um, on your knees a lot mm. <laughs> because sometimes um, you're just not going to have it that day. Because it is hard. I mean, I don't know if any of you remember being a teenager. I'm young enough to still remember being a teenager. (laughs) I'm 41 years old. I still remember being a teenager. Um, And it was was hard because, you know, there's there's natural conflict with your parents that that happens as part of you trying to find your place in the world and, and those kinds of things. And, you know, I don't I don't know if there's any advice at the end of the statement other than you have to um, you have to practice your reactions outside of the moments, and you have to um, you have to understand what they require from you, and what they require is is a greater level of empathy than perhaps the four year old requires, because part of your ability to connect with a four year old or to soothe a four year old or regulate a four year old is to have them sit in your lap. Mm. You have to find a way to get that same response out of a 15 year old without ever having them in your lap right and you know and, and some 15 year olds may sit in mom and dad's lap I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that but I'm saying that, that a lot of times it's not quite Mine as simple would squish me <laughs> but, but, but a lot of times it's not quite as simple as hey come sit here by mom and dad right it's more yeah. complex than that but you have to be able to help them regulate um, or you know part, part of what you were doing in the, in the group was, was equipping them to self regulate mm-hmm. yeah because that's that's a really big part of that trend. Those you know, it's it, the teenage years are the transitional years from being a child to being an adult. Right. It's a lot of co-regulation, especially in terms of of of, of soothing and calming and things like that. I think probably one of the biggest things as parents of teenagers we need to remember is to keep reminding them that we're with them and we're for them. Mm-hmm. That you know. I was a teen. You, you may think that mom and dad don't know what you're going through, and in some cases with kids from our places, we we probably don't. But in yeah. the general growing up a teenager sense of it, we do know exactly what they're talking about. Even if 
our teenage selves and our teenagers don't believe that of our parents. Yeah. And they don't believe it of us. And I think that, that that's something I know with, with our teenager. I've had that, that t- conversation with him a few times. Like, you know, buddy, you know, I know what you're going through. You might not think I do, but I do. And yeah. you want to talk about it? I'll, I'll help you. I, I want to help you. I think, you know, with these kids from hard places that are having their trust issues that we're trying to connect with, they pro- might need to hear that a little more often from us. Well, I think keeping the lines of communication open mm-hmm. um, is important. And so I think if you're listening and you have little kids, starting that early helps when they get to be teenagers because right. you've already established that, like for us, our kids know that they can say whatever they want as long as they say it respectfully. Mm-hmm. And so because we established that there is this, you can say what you want. You can tell me that you're mad at me because I did X, Y, Z, but you can't say, you know, it disrespectful. You can't yell it at me, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, And so because we have those open lines of communication, we have seen um, with our oldest that he'll actually take a deep breath go do something, he'll come back and he'll say, can we talk about what just happened? Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk? I, I didn't really feel like you were listening to me when I tried to tell you what happened or what went on. And that to me is a parenting win right there. When you when your teenager will come to you and say, can we talk about something that happened that mm-hmm. I, I don't feel good about, right. right? I don't feel, I don't feel content that we left that in a good place. And so, I think having that mutual respect, because I think kids, teenagers are really wanting, they're wanting to be respected by their peers, by other adults. They're Mm -hmm. wanting to be thought of as, you know, almost adults. And so if we can show them that respect, if we can model what it looks like to be respectful, we're going to get a lot more respectful behavior back. Mm. So one last thing I wanted us to discuss deals with power struggles, which <laughs> is kind of a natural part of, of growing up, right? We're, we're trying to, as we talked about earlier, we're trying to find ourselves when we're teenagers, yeah. establish our identity, and that's naturally going to butt heads with our parents and maybe the kind of identity they want us to have, right? So power struggles are an, an inevitable result of that. How can we deal with these power struggles when it's kids from hard places? Well, I think always keeping in mind that connection is our number one goal. Mm -hmm. And so if connection is your number one goal, then it's not a us versus them. Right. It's a we're on the same page. And so when we look at it, even when there's a situation where you have differing opinions on how something should happen, uh, let's say your teenager thinks they should be allowed to stay out until midnight and you think they should be able to they need to be in the house by 10 o'clock or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can get into this power struggle of, well, I'm the, I'm the parent, I'm in charge. And I said 10 o'clock. Well, 10 o'clock might've been just an arbitrary number that you thought. And if you have these, like we were talking about the open lines of communication mm-hmm. and your child knows that you're on their side, then they'll feel the freedom to come to you and say, could I stay out till 1030 tonight because this is happening at this friend's house and I'd really like to stay out a little longer Mm -hmm. and they'll feel the freedom to do that without getting into a power struggle of, you know, 
you never let me stay out late. Mm. Well, I'm the parent and I said 10 o'clock and you don't need to stay out, you know? And so I think we can, we can avoid power struggles just by having those open communication lines and by putting connection as our goal Mm. and the number one priority in the relationship. I think I want to add something to that. And that is, um, a lot of times we go into parenting teenagers with this idea that um, teenagers try to buck the system. They try to circumvent the rules. That's part of that, figuring out your place in the world, right? right. And because they do those things, that they, their teen years have to be a constant exercise in them knowing that I'm the boss. And I think that, to me, is the, the root of the power struggle. And if you can just put that on hold and and think more in terms of collaboration, what you said earlier, like I'm with you and I'm for you. And in terms of let's figure out how to get through these things together. Let's figure out, hey, you want to go out with your friends? Let's talk about that. Um, instead of going, uh, I am my word is law kind of kind of approach to parenting, which 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 is something that I that I struggle with because when the teenager really pushes on me, I find myself um, going into okay, all right, well if you needed a if you needed an exercise in who's in charge in the house, we can sure figure that out. <laughs> And I'm not proud of that. Um, my wife's not proud of that. Um, I know because she told me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but that is the temptation of, of you know, you have to tighten the reins. Um, but again, it's the old illustration of put sand in your hand and the tighter you squeeze your, your hand, the more sand falls out. Right. So here's one of the things that we do in, in, in our, our version of practicing outside of the moment on this issue. So obviously in the teen years, electronic devices become a big player. Mm-hmm. So we sat down with our oldest kids and came up with some rules relating to electronic devices, whether it be tablets, computers, phones, televisions, right? Any of those things. Came up with some rules that they agreed on um, were reasonable. And then we said, okay, so for, for violating, violating these rules, here are the commensurate rules violations. There will be consequences because there is so much trouble at the other end of an electronic device, right? Mm-hmm. When I was a child, when I was a teenager, um, I'm not saying that we did this, but if you wanted to look at anything pornographic, you had to go down like to the drugstore. They were, you know, Playboy magazine was in a plastic bag behind like a frosted glass and so you had to run the risk of like the people at the drugstore seeing you lift the magazine, right? That was the only way. Mm-hmm. Well, now now pornography knocks on my the door of my house in the form of the internet, mm-hmm. and so we have to have all these like elaborate um, filtering devices on the internet and all of the elaborate parental controls on devices, and it's a much more tempting world for our children to live in. And mm-hmm. so, like in, in in recognition of that reality. Let's come up with reasonable rules that the kids agree on and come up with reasonable consequences that the kids uh, agree on as well. So we kind of, you know, team parented that one. And so we were in Nashville last week and um, my son violated some of the some of the some of the tech rules at the house. And we sat and spoke to him. His mom went and got the, the, the pieces of paper that we wrote the rules down on. And we kind of said, OK, so well, you, you violated this one. And. You know, there weren't, there weren't huge infractions, thankfully. Um, they could have been a lot worse, but there were the violations of the rules that, that everybody had agreed on. And then we said, hey, okay, so you realize that you have to lose your phone for this many days. And again, I want to be clear that it was this many days, not mm-hmm. this many weeks, not this many months, but this many days. Um, and, he was, and he was okay with that. 
um, as okay as you might imagine. Even mm-hmm. at dinner tonight, he mentioned that he asked if he could get his phone back a day early because he's been no trouble whatsoever this week. <laughs> um, his words, not mine. But he, but he really, um, it, it didn't turn into a really big thing because he knew in advance. And so we mm. talk about there are consequences. If you can re- reveal them in advance, I promise you, the children will still not like them but but you won't have this at least in our experience we haven't had these huge eruptions because we've actually just hey these are the things we discussed in advance these mm-hmm. are the things we said hey do you think these are reasonable because if you don't think they're reasonable now's your chance to tell us right and we went back in a little bit and i know that there are people who are saying okay now we're negotiating with like yes because it as they grow up in the family we want them to we can't they can't understand that we are with them if we don't allow them to participate in anything right you know and so, and I think that this is the first time we've had to really kind of, really kind of enforce the rules in those because he's pretty good about it for the most part. You know, I feel like he kind of took a little bit of advantage of the babysitter. Mm. It's kind of what how it all played out. Um, but we just because the issue it was it was never us versus him. It was his be his his choices and actions versus agreed upon rules and boundaries, mm. right? And so we were able to have this dispassionate conversation about it. And I mean, he he took it very well, I thought, and we we have had a pretty good week. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it a perfect week, but it was a pretty good week. I was thinking when you were talking about just now that some people might think that by setting up those rules and consequences with your children that you're negotiating all that kind of stuff, the thing that was going through my head was, well, when they do violate the rules, what, what do you want to have happen? Do you want a yelling and screaming match about how you're being unfair because you're taking their phone away for whatever arbitrary thing you decided? Because that's what's going to happen. Yeah, because you'll be arbitrary in the moment and your child will be emotional. Right. Yeah. Or is it going to be more like what happened with you guys in that he's not going to like it because, I mean, no one's going to like losing this thing that connects them to their friends and is really important in their lives, right? But... Because that prior expectation was set, it wasn't it wasn't the blow up that it could be. Mm-hmm. Right. So, as the parent, what do you want? Do you want the blow up, or do you want some disappointment but acceptance of the consequence that he agreed to in the first place? Yeah, yeah. Because because if you'll do the work on the front end, right, it's easier on the back end. You'll reap the reward right. on the back end. It's just that most of us don't necessarily want to do the, do the work on the front end mm. because. Because let's be honest, I want to watch TV. I don't want to <laughs> sit and negotiate rules and consequences with people. Well, guys, thanks so much for offering insights and hopefully what our listeners will think of as helpful suggestions for dealing with teenagers. Of course. Uh, we, we hope so, too. <laughs> if you have a question for us, you could post it on our Facebook page, as one of our listeners did. And hey, we talked about it tonight. You can find us on Facebook at Tapestry IBC. You can also find us on Twitter at Tapestry IBC, but Twitter doesn't quite give you the same amount of room that Facebook does. You can also email us at tapestry at irvingbible.org. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or on the Google Play Store. Just search for Tapestry Adoption Podcast. If you've enjoyed and gotten value from our podcast, we would appreciate a review in either location. Empowered to Connect is the training and support community of Tapestry, the adoption and foster care ministry of Irving Bible Church in Irving, Texas. You can check the show notes for relevant links from this episode and find more resources on our website, 
tapestryministry.org. Thanks for listening. 